Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Book three, Conversations with God. If you've never read the trilogy, it's three it's three books, book one, book two, book, th- book three. I suggest you get it and make a study out of it. It is a phenomenal uh, three-part uh, uh, work. And when I say study, I mean really get in there and study it. Use a, get a pen, get a pencil, get a highlighter, the, the whole thing. Um, there's, there's, if you want to, if you seriously want to understand the way that we're reacting and constructing our life, you have to be willing to do something for a, a bit of a period of time. And that number one is you have to like completely just remove it from your life for a while. Just get it out, get out all the media, get it, the social media out, get everything out for, for a short period of time anyway. Because you have to emotionally detach from it. The, anytime we're emotionally connected to something, it's going to become a construct in our life. So we want to be able to emotionally detach from it so that we can actually start to observe it, observe it in a way that we can learn. Um, when I was taught this uh, back in the 90s, I went through several years of just trying to detach from everything that was going on around me in the world and watch just really observe other people's behavior and see if I could see what I was learning in other people. Because sometimes it's really hard to see it in ourselves because we don't see how we're either manipulating ourselves or being manipulated by the world that we're in. But if we can start to see it, it's a really powerful exercise in understanding the principles that we're, that we're learning here. So the idea is that you detach for a while. And then you start to slowly observe basically everyone else with the idea in your mind, not to judge, but just to come from this simple principle. Isn't that interesting? You want to write that down. Isn't that interesting? So there's no judgment. The, The idea in your mind is like, I wonder why they're thinking the way they're thinking. I wonder why they're reacting the way that they're reacting. And you start to literally draw the parallel lines between whatever it is that's going on in their life and their behavior. And you can start to literally see the fear, the worry, the doubt, the how they're being controlled by almost every single thing um, in their life. So in, 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 in conversations with God, you have to re- realize the book's basically written as a conversation. It's a conversation between Neil Donald Walsh, the questions that he had, and the answers that he believed that God or spirit was responding with. Um, he says here, deciding ahead of time what you choose to be produces that in your experience. Deciding ahead of time what you choose to be produces that in your experience. So if you're, it's, it's literally too late if you're in the experience and you haven't decided who you're going to be. Like every single morning, that sacred seven goes through my mind. It's, it's like going through my mind when I wake up. 
Um, I don't even need to look at the sheets anymore. It's so ingrained in how I think um, about everything that I do. And rarely do I come out of that out of that thought process. I mean, it takes a lot to really get me out of that thought process. <clears throat> I've, I've said many times, I'm more susceptible to it when I'm tired um, or if I'm like physically exhausted because I've been working probably too much than, than at any other time. But when I'm, but on an average day, if I'm, if I'm tired, it's, it's hard. If I'm going through like day after day after day, just regularly, it's not. It's lit, I literally have trained myself to think this way so I don't have to, I'm not really all concerned about getting sucked in. And I can tell immediately if I get sucked in. It's like, it's, you know, like if you, you eat, you ate something that's bad and immediately, you know, like, oh crap, that's, that's not good. As soon as that ener energy hits me or I pick it up coming from someplace else, I know that it's just foreign. It's not me. So the idea is that we're designing our day ahead of time. You know, we're taking it in bite-sized chunks. I'm not saying hey, look at your whole life and be positive and, you know, create everything that you want. It's day by day. Sometimes it's hour by hour. Sometimes it's minute by minute when you're in a challenging situation. So, so, so this is, the conversation is going, so that's God's response, what I read to you, deciding ahead of time of what you choose to, to produce in, in your experience. And then Walsh replies, to be or not to be, that's the question, Yes. And the response is precisely, happiness is a state of mind, and like all states of mind, it reproduces itself in physical form. There's a, state, there's a statement for, for the refrigerator magnet, all states of mind re, um, uh, reproduce themselves. All states of mind reproduce themselves. <clears throat> Where is it reproducing itself? It's reproducing itself, not just in the world around you, but how you experience the world around you. It's so very important that, you know, so when you're ready, if you do this exercise where you actually sit with someone else who you know is going to be mentally, emotionally charged by watching something political that's going on, and you don't go there, you don't allow yourself to do that, but just observe them. You'll see how they're being controlled by what's going on in the screen in front of them. You can watch it change everything about them. It changes their energy, it changes their thought process, it changes uh, their emotional process. They start coming from deep-seated insecurity. They don't even know that that's happening. They don't know what it's related to. And they go into a defensive, judgmental mode and then you'll see that you'll see it like if you if you remember when we went through the biases, right? So we have this fear bias. They go into the bias where they're then looking for evidence to prove the state that they're in. So that's a key right there. Do you look for evidence to prove the state that you're in? But when you say to yourself, or or um, you didn't make a sale, or you didn't hit your numbers this week, or whatever, do you start looking for evidence as to why you didn't hit them numbers versus going into a cause and effect um, deduction of what actually did happen? Like what is, get out of the drama, what actually caused this in my life? Steph can back me up on, on this one. I can't tell you how many people we've talked to over the years. And the problem they come to us with is, I don't know what's going on. I just can't, either I, I can't hit my numbers or I can't reach this financial goal or I'm not making any money or my income is inconsistent. And it's always that their behavior is inconsistent. 
You ask them, how many people did you ask to buy this week? Well, none. And they're wondering why they're, they, don't, they don't have anything coming in in their income. And you look at them and you think to yourself, I mean, you have to literally, like literally snap your mind. You have to think to yourself, is this person stupid? No, they're not stupid. They're so emotionally overtaken by what's going on. They don't see the correlation in the cause and effect of their own behavior. But they could easily see it with other things in their life, you know, like if they said, every day I, woke, I wake up and my bed's not made. Well, they're not going to say that. They know they're not making their bed or they're not brushing their teeth or they're not going for a walk or they're not paying attention to their family or what, they, those things they know. But when it comes to money, it's so emotionally charged, they just don't draw the correlation in their mind of the correct action that they have to take in order for the result to be what it needs to be. And they're willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get somebody to tell them, you need to pick up the phone and have sales conversations. And then it's kind of like, oh, oh, I, yeah, I, guess that, I guess I'm not doing that. And so it's kind of like you think, we, where is this person thinking? But in retrospect, if you actually look at the problem, the problem is, is that if you've never been raised in an entrepreneurial environment where every day the idea is, I have to be face-to-face -face with a person, I have to be on the phone with a person, I have to be interacting one-on-one -on -one in order to make sales. In our nervous system, it's all about how do we show up to work to make money? Because if you're raised in middle class or your parents were, even if they were professionals, you show up to work, you get a paycheck. I just show up and I do busy work and I get a paycheck. That's hardwired into almost everybody. So what happens when, you're, when you go into uh, autopilot, when you're working, your mind is going, I'm working, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my website, I'm working on a marketing campaign, I'm working on social media, I'm doing videos, or like whatever you're doing, and your subconscious is distracting you because it's, it thinks you're doing the right thing in order to create money and you're doing the absolute wrong thing. Unless, unless you have an, an entire marketing system where it's like you're marketing to the conversation so that you can have the conversation to make the sale, that's completely different. I'm talking about you're doing it and it's a, and it's a complete distraction. He says, act as if you are and you will, draw it, you will draw it to you. What you act as you are, you become. So there's, for as long as I can remember, there's been this huge argument out there about uh, fake it till you make it, right? And it, it's a, it's so misunderstood. It really is misunderstood. It, but if you if you understand the process, the idea is I have to act my way into a new way of thinking. I cannot think my way into a new way of behaving. I have to act my way into a new way of thinking. This is very different than if you were a child. The rules flip-flop. They flip-flop. When you're a child, there's nothing there. So anything that you're exposed to begins to go in. But when you're an adult, you already have a preset set of values and beliefs and ways of seeing the world and the results that those things give you. So if you want to change that belief system and you leave out the results part, which is the most important part, your mind goes, yeah, that's just bullshit, right? That's just, you know, it, it's nothing. It's just, uh, you know, it, 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 there's nothing going on there. He goes on to say this. Um, 
Only you can't really be faking. Your actions have to be sincere. So if you're telling yourself in your mind that it's a joke or that you're faking or that it's not real or you're feeling like a fraud, you're not coming from the idea of that true desire. That's why you spend so much time on desire. It has to be something true that you really want to be, do, and have in your life. Everything you do, do out of sincerity or the benefit of of the action, everything you do, do out of sincerity or the benefit of the action is lost. So it has to be real in your mind, at least real from the perspective of you're conscious, you're really conscious about what you're doing and what it is that you want. He says, but natural law requires the body, the mind, and the spirit to be united in thought, word, and action for the process of creation, for that process of creation to work. You cannot fool your mind. If you're insincere, your mind knows it. And that's that. You just ended any chance of your mind that can help you in a creative process if you're insincere. There's, there's parts in this book where he talks about how we should treat other people. Um, let's see here. Here, this is, this is one of them. Whatever you choose for yourself, give to another. Whatever you choose for yourself, give to another. If you choose to be happy, cause another to be happy. If you choose to be prosperous, cause another to be prosperous. If you choose more love in your life, cause another to have more love in theirs. Do this sincerely, not because you seek personal gain, because you really want the other person to have that. And all the things that you give will come to you. Now, there's a caveat to this. If you remember when we, were, when we were kind of going through working with the law by Raymond Hollywell, and he has the Christ quote in there, the Bible quote, where it says, do not cast your pearls before swine. You need to do these things with people that really want those outcomes. If you try to help somebody be happy who's just a real, you know, miserable person, and they want to be miserable, all you're going to become is frustrated. And you're going to be like, it didn't work. Find people that really want to be happy, that really want to be prosperous. When I do the, when I do the exercise where we go out and, and give money, right? Take $100 bills and just give them to people. I don't give them to just anybody. I will walk around, like if we're if, in life, I do it whenever spirit tells me to do it. I could be walking past somebody or I could be on a subway or I could be in an airport or whatever. And spirit will say, give that person a hundred bucks. And I may have walked past a thousand people. I have no why. I have no under reason why. It just, it, it's that, it just pops in my mind. Give this person something. And I do it every single time. So when you're doing this, pay very close attention to where you feel the money should go. It's important. Because if you listen to it, you'll get to know that side of yourself much better. And you'll direct that energy to the right person. Now little caveat around that. Sometimes you'll give it to a person and they'll have a bad reaction and you'll think to yourself, I thought spirit told me to give it to this person. Yeah, but spirit didn't tell you that they were going to accept it or how they would feel about it. So when you have a bad reaction because somebody else is having a bad reaction, you're giving with attachment. You're not giving just to give. You're giving with attachment. Whenever you give a gift to someone, 
it should be in the spirit of, of detachment, right? Not that you own the gift and can manipulate with it and try to get what you want forever because you gave the gift. It's you give the gift and the gift is theirs. It's no longer for anything you to say, say be, do, or have around that gift. And if you, if you think to yourself, well, they weren't very gracious about the way they said thank you, or I didn't get a card from them, or what, you're, you're looking for an exchange, not a gift. You're looking for an exchange. He says, do this sincerely, not because you seek personal gain, but because you really want the other person to have that, and all things you give will come to you. The very act of your giving something away causes you to experience that, that you have to give it away. Since, it cannot, since you cannot give to, an, um, give to another something you do not now have, your mind comes to a new conclusion, a new thought about you, namely that you must have this or you could not be giving it away. You must have this or you could not be giving it away. Now think, think about that right? It's, it's a psychological principle that also works with the idea of teaching. Um, it's really true that if a person wants to learn something, the fastest way for them to learn it is to teach it. You have to have it if you're going to teach it. E even if it's just intellectual knowledge, you have to have it if you're going to teach it. You're using a completely different part of your brain. And when you do that, your subconscious mind is not rejecting what it is that you're doing. It's accepting it by default. Very, very important. Extremely important. I think that's why people that are very sincere about what it is that they want to learn go into some mode of teaching it at some level, even if it is just for the, for the, the wanting of, do, of doing that exercise, because now you're getting it on every single level. You're studying it. You're getting it one way. You're intellectualizing it. You're thinking about what does this mean? How does this apply to me? How does this apply to other people? But when you teach it, you have it on a completely different level. Even if you don't know it that well, if you were trying to teach it to a kid or a friend or a spouse or whatever, by doing that, you're sinking it deeper into your subconscious mind. It's extraordinarily effective. If you give to another as a contrivance, a manipulation meant to get something to come to you. Your mind knows this. You've just given a signal that you do not now have it. Because you're trying to get something. So you start to learn this on a totally different level in your life. You cannot fool your mind. If you're insincere, your mind knows it. And that's that. You've just ended any chance of your mind can help you in the creative process. You can, of course, create without the, your mind. It's just, it's just a great meal, uh, deal more difficult. You can ask your body to do something that your mind doesn't believe. And if your body does it long enough, your mind will begin to let go of its former thought about that and create a new thought. Once you have a new thought about a thing, you're well on your way to creating it in a permanent aspect of your being rather than something that you're just acting out. This is doing things the hard way. And in, and in such instances, the action must be sincere. So the great thing is, is that you can do it in every way simultaneously, right? But the, the thing, with each one of these ways, what he's talking about is being in the action of doing it. 
having your thought right about it first, but then being in the action of actually doing it. And it makes a huge difference. Without the action, no change is possible. You're not going to make a change. The idea is that you take these things every day and you put them into some kind of action in your life. By the way, you come to a whole different level of understanding when you, when you take a principle and you put it into action. A completely different level of understanding. That's where the awareness then shows up. Um, so here we have a very difficult, uh, uh, delicate balance. The body does something in which the mind does not believe, yet the mind must add the ingredient of sincerity to the body's action for it to work. You want to take out self, the, selfish, the selfish element of personal gain. Whatever you choose for yourself, give to another. He asks a question. He says, do you mean that when we do damage to ourselves, that is what we really wanted to do? Is that, our, that is our deepest desire? And the response was, you cannot do damage to yourself. You're incapable of being damaged. Damage is a subjective reaction, not an objective phenomenon. You can choose to experience damage to yourself out of any encounter or phenomenon, but that is entirely your decision. Given that truth, the answer to your question is yes. When you have damaged yourself, it's because you wanted to, but I'm speaking on a very high esoteric level, and that is not really your question where your question is coming from. Anything that we do that would be considered damage to ourself or making an error, like when some people have had to start over in this program, right? You have to be very careful about the idea of, so the better question is, why am I choosing to have this experience? Why am I choosing to have this experience? One is that we're trying to learn something. And, and very often, the idea is that sometimes we have to experience something over and over and over again until that awareness wakes up in our mind as to why I'm actually doing it. Nothing can happen. I say to you, nothing, nothing can occur in your life which is not precisely perf uh, in perfect opportunity for you to heal something, to create something, or to experience something that you wish to heal, create, or experience in order to be who you really are. I just love that. Everything we're doing, everything that we're experiencing, it answers so many questions about life. So think about, think about things that you've done, mistakes that you've made, uh, things that you've done that you think are wrong, or you have guilt around, or you have shame around those things. Or you think about things that have happened to you. Our mind is always trying to make sense out of things that make no sense to us. And we, we try to do that by giving things meaning. So if we're constantly trying to give meaning to the bad things that happen in our life, if we're giving it the incorrect meaning, then how it, that, how it then manifests or continues to manifest in our life makes all the difference. And the only meaning that it has is that it's trying to wake you up to who you really are. That's it. It's trying to wake you up to who you really are. It's also the whole Eden story, by the way, you know, where, where God kicked 
<clears throat> excuse me, Adam and Eve out of Eden. Eden is the place in your mind. It's the awareness. When your choices conflict, when your body, mind, and spirit are not acting as one, the process of creation works on all levels, producing mixed results. If, on the other hand, your being is in harmony and your choices are unified, astonishing things can occur. When they're unified, we're moving into the belief that ancient scripture talked about. It's that, it, that is where the power is, when it's unified. So it has to be unified in your mind. And it can't be unified if everything is distracting, distracting you away from that unification. When you observe, now when you go and you observe other people, you want to see how ununified they become. And then they move over into a unification of the absolute negative because it controls their minds, their emotions, and then their actions. And you can, you can watch this from the level of cause and effect and literally see the transformation into something they completely don't want to be right in front of your face. And when that happens, they will think that it's the thing they're observing that's causing it. That's what they'll think. All the thing they're doing is observing is a reflection into their own inner spirit. It's showing you how insecure they are. It's showing you how afraid they are. It's showing you how unstable they are. It's showing you how reactive, how vindictive they are. It brings all of this out. It's not what's happening on the screen. Fascination is removing the filter that keeps all of that locked in, just like alcohol. You know, like for a lot of people, when they drink, you see a different side to that person. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good. Why? Because it is stopping the filtering process of their conscious mind from keeping it in check. So it brings that side to the surface. It's the same thing when we watch something that we get an emotional charge by. We go into a pattern that is from our past, and then we literally create our emotions to then deal with that pattern. And that's what it is that we become. So produce your own experience. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.